0: welcome back to the muscle intelligence podcast this is our special q a segment we're gonna keep it short we keep it sweet pulling questions off of instagram off of twitter hopefully you guys are already following us on there if you're not following myself and ashley the muscle maven go ahead and do that now be back fitness on instagram ifbb ben Pekulski on twitter ashley is at the muscle the, maven she's the sorry yeah, okay because
1: i'm the only the
0: one the only one so far Maven is a expert or connoisseur. She's an ex, a muscle connoisseur. You guys can go wherever you, know, you want with that. I'm a maven
1: of muscle. <laughs> hey, I'll back it up.
0: I'll back it up. Do that now. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you guys have questions, we'll pull questions off iTunes as well. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, if you want to be notified about it, we do that off of muscleintelligence.com slash podcast. You can check us out there as well as all the podcasts we've recorded over the last 12 months and previous to that when we were used to be the Muscle Expert podcast. And if you guys want some awesome content, the Muscle Expert podcast is full of amazing content. And the truth is it's no different than this current content. It's just that we changed the name because expert tend to pigeonhole us a little bit into this, just the muscle building space. And I guess muscle intelligence is maybe not that different. But um, I, in our new mission is to empower you with the knowledge and skill set to build a body that you love live your greatest life. And ultimately, there's a lot that goes into that beyond muscle, right? We're going to give you the tactics and strategies to build muscle. We also want to give you the mindset support to be happy and be fulfilled and uh, also support your nutrition needs and knowledge, as well as understanding sleep, understanding your environment and everything else that goes into living your greatest life. Ashley, what questions you got for me today?
1: Bigger and better, right? Muscle intelligence. Yeah. Evolving. Evolution. It's
0: absolutely evolving. And the mission is not just about helping guys and girls in the fitness industry. It's about helping everyone, right? It's like we all want to live our greatest life in a body we love. And what does that look like? What are all the things that go into that? And stress management and sleep and mindset optimization and how to integrate this mind-body interface. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of evolution, it's a great segue because my question is about healthy aging and mindset transition as you go from being a young and naive athlete to an older perhaps broken athlete, but how that changes your mindset. I'm I'm not speaking about you, I'm just saying in general. But do you, first of all, do you have any sense of like the age breakdown generally for your like followers and listeners? Like, do you think it's a lot of sort of unbroken 20 somethings or do you think it's pretty split between people who've kind of been around a while? I, I
0: always say that, you know, before 30, you train with your balls and after 30, you train with your brains. And I feel like, at least 75% of the demographic is above 30 okay and and often older than that right so if i were to look at the demographic analysis that it would give me on the internet it's 27 to 57 kind of thing yeah 70% males 30% females Not that everyone really cares, but yeah, so we do have a lot of females, which Mm -hmm. is why you're here. So Mm -hmm. we can give that female perspective. And I think a lot of women want to hear about your stuff as well. So one of these days, I'm going to reverse the tables here. I'm going to start peppering you with questions. Oh, I'm so pumped. About like how the hell you did those braids in your hair today by yourself.
1: My super jacked delts and I can reach behind my head and that's a whole thing. We have to, maybe we'll do a braid tutorial on muscle intelligence. I'll grow my beard
0: (laughs) in and you can braid my beard.
1: Oh, that'd be so good. Okay. Back to healthy aging, how generally speaking, let's start general and work our way in. How has your mindset changed from when you were early days in the depths of your professional bodybuilding career to now?
0: Right. Goals, right? When I was a child or, you know, when I say child, maybe 15, 16 years old, myopically, I wanted to be the biggest, best bodybuilding on the planet. And I didn't think about anything else. I didn't care about longevity. I didn't care. I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind. It's not like I wanted to die and like I didn't love my life, but I, I didn't think about this reality that at some point you're gonna die. Your mortality doesn't cross your own mind, right? And I really believe, and for me it was around 35, I mean right around the time I had kids, and you start to kind of become aware of this reality that oh, wait, I'm not going to live forever. I actually have to start paying attention to this stuff now. And then it's somewhere between 30, probably 30 and 40 for most people. And now you're like, oh, okay, what should I do to keep death at arm's length, right? And I think the awareness of death every day is very important. Something I try to bring into my meditations all the time. And, you know, that's if for those people that can't experience gratitude. That's usually what I say. And I think we've talked about that before. So, you know, having shifted toward now being aware of my mortality, what does it look like, right? What does it look like to actually give a shit that, you know, I want to live to be 100 or you know longer if I can be still vigorous and rigorous and and cognitively aware. So, not just eating as many calories as I can is a big difference, right? Whereas in the past, it was like I had to eat, I had to train till failure, I had to eat till failure. You know, I was literally eating as much as I possibly could. Now it's like, okay, you have to portion control. So, you mentioned that recently. It's like, well, imagine me for 20 years, a little less than 20 years, 18 years, literally having to eat as much as I possibly could six times a day, like filling my stomach to the point I didn't want to eat any more often, like well past that point. That's the only way I can grow. So, now your, your unconscious training is, well, I have to eat to satiety. So, even though I only eat twice a day now, sometimes once, satiety is usually my kind of trigger. That's not a good thing for most people, right? Like, I, like I'm a big man. I could probably eat a lot of food in one sitting. I don't want to do that, so I'm, I'm changing that trigger. So, learning to eat to about 50% full. Challenge. Really. Yeah.
1: Eat to 50% full. Yeah. There's like a Japanese kind of word of thumb that it's like, or rule of thumb that it's like seven out of 10. Of course, how do you figure out what that is? That's it's why so many of us have sure.
0: issues with. But you know, what, you know when it's like an eight or nine out of 10, right? Yes. You're like, okay. Yeah, so yeah. So stop yeah. before that. Yeah. Uh, but my yoga instructor said 50% full. I was like, that just, it's interesting. Like, that was a really good perspective for me.
1: Do you think it's possible because I talk a lot on paleo magazine radio about eating f- and training and whatever lifestyle factors for longevity versus performance, and it really seems like those are two discrete completely, topics completely like polar they, they do not overlap right like you no. can 't train for both
0: well no, probably not right at some point if you 're pushing high level performance at some point you 're chopping years off your life it's just i think I think we kind of accept that right no matter what it is, whether it be Tour de France or, or a marathon or an ultra marathon like The amount of oxidative stress, the amount of calories you're consuming, you're just pushing your body's limits, right? It's like just driving a car, you're driving a Lamborghini with your foot on the gas pedal, right?
1: Have you done any kind of in-depth research on the – because there's lots of Joe Mercola and people out there that are talking about calorie restriction for longevity and there's, I'm sure there's some parameters there that you can like work out what that actually means for you versus for me or whatever. But have you kind of looked into that or is it just more like I'm not eating to discomfort anymore, I'm going to eat a I've, normal I've amount of food? I've looked into
0: it, but I think it's subjective. Yeah. I think it's finding joy in hunger. Like so most people find – fear and hunger, right? Hunger for most people is a trigger to eat. Why? Like, are you afraid of being hungry? Why do we associate, you know, like a small amount of hunger with the immediate necessity to eat? seems kind of silly. It's just some trigger we've created in our life that says, hey, I feel like, oh no, I'm going to die if I don't eat. No, like you're okay with being hungry for a day or for a couple of days or for this couple of hours, it's not going to hurt you. So, maybe finding the comfort in being hungry finding joy and realizing, like I, I do this with some of my clients who have a hard time losing body fat. As I say, you know, tell me what it feels like to be hungry. And most of them go, oh, you know, I feel like this. And I'm like, well, what happens when you're hungry? Why well, you usually eat. Why? Maybe we could find joy and start creating the association with being hungry means I'm losing fat. And if you can create that cognitive association, all of a sudden, maybe your brain goes, oh, well, that's a good thing. I like this. I like this feeling. I stay there a little bit longer. So, there's nothing wrong from a longevity perspective, from a body fat loss perspective with being really, really hungry. Now, on the other end, I mean, we shouldn't say really with hungry. You know, hunger is is a relative thing. Like a small amount of hunger is a very healthy thing. Now, on the other end of that, as a bodybuilder, don't ever be hungry, right? Like, well, I shouldn't say don't ever, but I intentionally once a week would do an extended period where I was hungry. So, like my digestive tract kind of got a cleanse. But like three hours, you got to time it, right? You want to have that constant cadence of, of nitrogen balance and increasing.
1: I think even not even just finding like pleasure in hunger or pleasure in in discomfort and pain, but also it's like that stoic philosophy, right? The negative visualization, which you touched on. And a lot of people are like, why do I want to think about my mortality? That's going to keep me up at night. Like, why do I want to find some kind of weird pleasure in being hungry and having a gnawing stomach? But I think what negative visualization actually is, it's a very potentially positive thing because when you are present and with your discomfort or thinking about a terrible thing that could happen. It brings you into the present and how grateful you are that that thing isn't happening, or that you can get yourself out of that thing. So rather than maybe being like, "Oh, I love the feeling of being hungry," you can sit with that feeling and be like, "I'm okay. I'm still okay." And you know how good it feels when I'm not hungry, when I'm going to eat again in a couple hours, and that feels so nice. So yeah, I
0: appreciate it so much more. I'm
1: totally on board with the negative visualization thing. I think it was like a one of the Marcus Aurelius like meditations books that they the guy was saying he was saying like you should go out and go out in the cold under dressed sometimes sure. you should go out in the rain and feel how uncomfortable that so feels i haven't
0: used the hot on my shower in a really long time it's always as oh, cold yeah, your, as i can make your
1: it. ice showers Yeah. why
0: well because i can and i know at any any point i can make it stop mm-hmm. and that's not real like that's not like there's probably people out there who don't have a choice yeah but i'm intentionally trying to to discipline myself to just discipline my mind to appreciate the other end of that right like it's I don't even think it's real discipline because it's not You always real. have
1: the choice, yeah. Right. I
0: can always step out. I can always make it warm. So like it's
1: But you're learning I mean, how, how to handle mildest, that discomfort right, so that it's when the it happens this
0: form of discipline, right? Yeah. True discipline is you must do this. Like someone's gonna put you there
1: still more than most people are doing. And sure. that's, that's getting you on the right step sure. to the harder stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's why I do it every day. Right. And that's why I do fasts. And that's why I do calorie restriction. That's why I do things I don't want to do is because like, it's all a mental game and, and subjecting yourself. Did I send you the video with Josh Waitzkin? Yeah. That's the greatest video ever. Everyone should go watch this video with Josh, Wait- Josh Waitzkin and Leia Lagos on YouTube. Where he just talks about champions or you know high performance, high performers always live on kind of the edge of their discomfort. And as soon as you hear that, you're like, yes, like every day you should be doing something that's uncomfortable for you and live there as long as you possibly can. You're always on the other side of discomfort because if you're not, you're not growing. Yeah. Right. And you're either growing or you're dying.
1: Yeah. Talk about. The telomere testing and how that fit into your (laughs) switching up your workout game. I
0: I talked about that one time kind of in passing on the podcast, but people go, Ben, why did you say you wanted to lose all this weight? Well, I retired from professional bodybuilding at 35 years old. So, I think I told you, you may have heard in the podcast, I I started bodybuilding at 17. I told myself I was going to get my pro credit at 25. I got at 26. And at 17, I also said, I'm going to get it at 26 and I'm going to retire at 35. I just kind of set that intention for myself. So, as a bodybuilder, you have relatively concise shelf life. that's a long
1: career that you set out for yourself, really.
0: Right. Right. But I believed... You know, from twenty twenty five to thirty, you're kind of like preparing yourself to be a good pro, and then from thirty to thirty five, you're at the top of the game. And I was more or less there. You know, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, my career was sidetracked a little bit because I had shifted priorities. Literally, right when I turned thirty, now I realize it was a blessing. But at thirty five, when those I those priorities
1: being children, being my children,
0: yeah, the greatest blessing in my life. But at 35, I tested my telomeres just to see like, yeah, hey, this is a new thing. Let's see what this means. And it showed I was 51.
1: Did you test it more than once?
0: No, just once. Uh, again, afterwards, yes. Okay. But six months later. Okay. So, it said I was 51. I was like, okay, well, I need to do something. So, at that time, I was very much a high achiever. I was very much doing a lot of things. I was sleeping very little, running a business, competing, doing all these things like, you know, burning the candle at both ends, running a lot of caffeine, sleeping five hours a night up at 4.30 doing my meditation.
1: Can you also just tell for listeners who maybe don't know exactly what this telomere testing thing is? Sure,
0: sure. So telomeres are the end of your chromosomes, which like these little en- these little ends that kind of look like they are useless. These, I think they're useless information on the end of the chromosome, but they now realize that it's somewhat associated or highly correlated with the length of your life. So as the shorter your, cr- your telomeres get, so goes your life, right? Long telomeres means you still have a long amount of life left short telomeres means short life. So, have these but things you tested.
1: Have 51-year-old telomeres in a 35-year-old body, not great.
0: Right. So, your biological versus your chronological age. So, I had these telomeres tested, said so I was 51 years old So, I was like, okay, what do I need to change? First thing I looked at, and it's like started doing research, like what's associated with longevity? So, what are these things that I want to do to reverse these? Well, stress, body weight, sleep, food consumption okay, we'll start changing all those things. So, I went from sleeping four or five hours a night. And I didn't feel bad when I was sleeping four or five hours a night, right? I was still, I mean, if I stopped, like if I sat down on the couch, I fell asleep. But I didn't feel like cognitively impaired until I started sleeping. Got real sleep and figured
1: out how that feels. (laughs) Sure.
0: So, again, I had young children at the time. Like I was, whatever, I was doing what I needed to do to, to thrive. So, as soon as I started changing all those things... I started to realize that, I, hey, I actually feel pretty damn good, and I could make some changes, and that was really a big part of this shift in this educational process with muscle intelligence is like helping people live this long life that you know realize that you could feel better than you feel now. It's funny. I did a biz- at a biz- business meeting two weeks ago, and everyone on my team said, "Sorry, this, this is a new team that I'm working on, not my currently muscle intelligence team, said that they are very happy living their life at 80%. When they feel 80%, like that's a really good day. And that blew my mind. I was like, wow. And most people living like that, are they content being like 80% is a good day? I was like, wow, that sucks. So, but imagine we could teach you how to live at 100%. That's really what I was looking at. I was like, what are all these things I can do, right? Is there, you know... training? Is there nutrition? Is there sleep things that I can do? And and I wanted to do it all without the use of quote-unquote biohacks because I hate the idea of shortcuts, right? Like I'm not against biohacking per se, but you know, the, the, the definition alludes to we're trying to make this easy. And I don't think easy is ever the way because then you're starting to to train your brain to seek shortcuts. And, you know, seeking shortcuts is not a good place to live. I promise, right? Anyways, we could talk about that another time. But so, I wanted to learn how to do it in a way that was sustainable. So, I started to find meditation and, you know, discipline like cold cold tubs and cardiovascular training, extended cardiovascular training, getting to bed earlier, things like that. And as soon as I discovered those, I did my telomere test again 18 months later and it was down to, I think it was 39.
1: Okay. How much time has elapsed? 18 months. Okay. So, you took some significant time. Like, this wasn't like, I'm just going to try to get some sleep for a few months and see what happens. Okay. Interesting. So, So, I'm I'm
0: 38. I think at the time I was 37.
1: I know you don't really like talking in hypotheticals. It's kind of an impossible question. Like, what if, then what? But if you hadn't been sidetracked by the blessings of your life and having kids and- It doesn't
0: sound very good, does it? It's not sidetracked. It was I got blessed.
1: Right. So, if that- hadn't happened. It's impossible to imagine. But do you think that you would have hit this wisdom set point where you're like, I need to do what's best for my longevity and my health and not run myself into the ground with this bodybuilding career? Do you think you would have hit that sooner rather than Probably later? later?
0: Probably later. So, as I said, and I've said before, I was so myopically focused on being Mr. Olympia. I would have done anything possible. Like I would have been Mr. Olympia. There's no doubt because like there just wasn't another option, right? I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes and I'm going to keep going and going and going until I win. And when I win, I'm going to win again. And then going to win again. And I set the intention of three Mr. Olympias. And I'm sure at that point, my, like, once I won my three Olympias, I would have reexamined my life because that was kind of the plan was the plan, right? I wanted to have them done by 35, but it didn't happen. But I really believed I had what it took to do that short, you know, any injury or anything like that would have sidetracked me. But yeah, so I, I'm sure at some point I would have realized it just would have been a lot later. And I tell you, like, As a bodybuilder, you can't refute that you're taking years off your life with every year. It's the body weight, it's the substances, it's the lack of sleep, it's the sheer oxidative stress from the amount of training I used to do. Like I was a very high volume trainer, very heavy, very high volume. So, that that in and of itself is stressful to your body, which is taking years off your life.
1: Did you have any emotional, mental struggles when you made the switch? Like it, it almost in some ways, and this is not the proper way to say this, but made it easier for you to transition because you really didn't have much of a choice. Like you had bigger well, I did priorities. Have a cho-
0: I did have a choice, right? So this is how it went in my mind. It was when my kids were born, I lost the purpose to be a bodybuilder. So it was easy for me to kind of start questioning, why am I continuing to do this? Like, I don't really love this as much as I used to. I, I I felt like I'm spending these two hours at the gym. I could be spending these two hours with my children. So I started to just shift the conversation there. And as far as like the emotional struggle, there was still there at the end of my career, right? Because you're always you're always concerned about this acceptance of. Of the public, you know, like I have all these fans, what do they even think? And I got a lot of flack, right? I got a lot of people saying, like, hey, man, what are you doing? You're, you should be competing. Where's the comeback? Like, why why are you doing this? Are you sick? I'm like, no, man, I'm great. Like, best I've ever been, but I just have different priorities now. And, you know, I competed five times in the last year. So I made sure that I got it all out of my system because the last thing you want in life is to have regrets. So I made sure I had no regrets. I left it all on the table and did my best. Got to do my Olympia again. Got to do two Olympias in my career. You know, I'm sure I could have done more, but just wasn't there like and and you get with bodybuilding as we talked about briefly on our little break if you don't have that internal drive there's nobody in the world that can make you do what you need to do like and and honestly my placing show it right like 2014 15 16 my when my kids were, were born into my life like i just didn't have the same chip on my shoulder i didn't have the same like hunger like 2012 and 13 was like when i started to get hit my stride both my kids were born 12 and 13 2012 and 13 so after that, it was like i didn't have I didn't you know want to suffer as much for getting in shape, and I just didn't have the same killer instinct I couldn't be the same you know killer I was in the gym and go home and be the loving caring dad to my to you know, my angels.
1: What advice do you have for people who are making this transition and finding it difficult? Because maybe, you know, there is there is a gray area, like you said, sort of in maybe your 30s, where you're transitioning from, I don't want and can't sustain this super high performance, high intensity training that I had before. I still want to this to be a part of my life, but I have to accept that maybe I need different priorities or, or whatever, a different purpose. What advice do you have for people for how to kind of get their heads around that and to not sort of have less anguish and more peace with that transition.
0: Well, as we spoke about in a previous podcast we did, you have to be honest with yourself first and and be accepting of the fact that it's not for you. Like if you don't want to do it anymore, it's okay, right? If, if you're doing it for somebody else, it's going to be a lot harder. Meaning like somebody on social media who's judging you or somebody in your family or someone around you, it's going to be very different. So, being honest with yourself first is is absolutely vital and say like, Hey, it's okay to not like this. And Is, is there going to be a struggle? Of course, because there's still an attachment to it. There's still habits attached to it, but you know, you just have to leap. I mean, it, it sounds kind of shitty and cliche, but when I left bodybuilding, like I didn't tell anybody for six months. Right. So I retired after Olympia in 2016. I didn't tell anybody until after, after the Arnold in 2017, because I was still kind of on the fence of like, you know, what are people going to think? And I still trained hard and, you know, I was still doing the podcast, so I kind of had this public persona. But once I went to that Arnold in 2017 and you know, I had this awareness around like, this just doesn't do the same thing for me anymore. I almost felt a sense of relief. I almost felt a sense of sadness for the people who were still in it because I knew that when I was in it, I needed it. And I hated hated that feeling. So I almost felt felt this relief that I no longer needed it. Right, it wasn't something that was holding me anymore, or something. Now, like I felt like I had, I had lost my armor. Right, I could I could lose relieve the chains and and move forward with my life and do great things.
1: Do you think there's there's an element of finding or making sure that you have another purpose as well? Like you have to kind of switch. I mean, people who are this driven too. Like we, we know professional athletes, like first responders, military people. Like you, it's, it's you're notorious for getting really fucked up when you have finished whatever that crazy high intensity part of your life was. Right. So, so, what's I, next?
0: I, I, I- dwelled with that for a long time. Like I'm going to really miss the competitive aspect and and the drive to do something. But I actually intentionally, kind of like when you leave a relationship, right? I think there needs to be this almost like period of relearning who you are separate to that thing you've been attached to. So, I'm kind of at the end of that transition period for myself now because I needed to establish new habits. I need to establish, you know, who I am without this identity as a bodybuilder. So, I think there should be a period of exploring without attachment to some other goal. Because most people, the reason often people are chasing these goals is we're trying to run away from something, right? Like I have to be, have my head in something, otherwise I'm afraid of what I'm going to hear. So, I think that the the most effective way to do it, or my belief is the best way to do it is you got to have a period of time of like discovery, right? So, there's a period of discovery and you're you're calming the oceans and there's the, the period of creation And I think I've just begun the new period of creation in my life where it's, you know, there's a lot of discovery, a lot of learning, a lot of consumption of information. Like I want to learn everything, right? It was like voracious and I still am voracious. But now I feel like this creation period is coming, this new growth. It's almost like springtime, right? So, I was going through the winter, now it's springtime. So, springtime for me is like this new planting of seeds and growing new things and coming into, you know, the new season.
1: That's exciting. Yeah. You look ahead- five, 10, 15 years and think about what you'd like to be doing physically? Like, do you think like I, I won't, I'm i going to be hiking Mount Kilimanjaro I think about in five it all years? all the
0: time. Well, yeah, I'll be doing that stuff for sure. But I, I don't see that as a physical, again, I'm going to be doing that. There's no question I'll do that stuff. There's no question I'm going to be doing endurance biking and, and things that are long. But that's still not the goal for me. There's something out there that I haven't found yet that's like, that's the target. And, and it may just be like, hey, I want to be the CEO of a multi-hundred million dollar company. I don't know. I'm working on it. Yeah. yeah, But there, there's some physical goal that I haven't found yet, That nothing is pulling me the way bodybuilding pulled me and it may never happen again, but there's no doubt I'll do mountain climbing. Cause like, I like to challenge myself, but I don't see that as the next thing, but I'll, I'll find it. Like I'm doing a lot of experimenting with new things that I've ever done before. And it, and it may be cycling, like endurance cycling or sprint cycling, or like something where I'm going to get super competitive seven pound yet.
1: You've touched on this before. I mean, cyclists do have crazy big quads, so it kind of makes sense. The rest of you, it's going to be tricky. (laughs) Why cycling? I'm going to
0: fast only my upper body. I'm still going to feed the lower body, but fast the upper body.
1: Yeah. Scary. Why? Why cycling? Why did that appeal to you? Well,
0: because running, I'm kind of a Clydesdale. Yeah, Swimming, I'm kind of a stone, kind of an anchor. And cycling I don't know. Like, I, I love the idea of pushing myself really hard. Endurance stuff is for some reason appealing to me because I think I'm genetically blessed for it. But I can't think of anything else where I could Yeah, you know, do endurance you, stuff. You definitely has some my physical
1: body. disadvantages on some of these other ones. Yeah. Biking. All right. Okay. Well, let's end this positive chat about healthy aging and mindset with a rapid fire question. Are you ready?
0: I'm always ready. This is a good just one. Just one question?
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see how this one plays out.
0: It's not going to be rapid fire. Is that what it sounds like?
1: Well, I mean, have you ever answered a question rapidly? Yeah. All right. We'll see. All right. What's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you in your bodybuilding career? So, related to either competition or prep or something, like what's something that happened during your bodybuilding career that you're like, oh my
0: God. Man, nothing. Because when you're a bodybuilder, you don't give a shit. Like,
1: It's true. I mean, the stuff that goes on backstage at these things are terrifying. Like if a normal person walked back to that
0: zoo. You're always naked. There's always people around. You're like, "Eh." there's always like stuff stuck to you or like a sock on your penis. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: here's one that you, that you might not know. Here's me interjecting some women's experience bodybuilding. I don't know if you know about this one because you have different parts, but the thing that I learned about bodybuilding when you're covered in your gross tan backstage and you're like glued into your suit and you have to kind of like stand. Like this because you're sweating and you don't want the the paint to slip off you. When you pee, you have to pee into a cup. Do you know about this one? Has anyone any of the ladies ever told you this one? You pee into a cup, so you're peeing on the toilet. You're sitting down on the toilet. It's TMI already into a cup because if any Sprays. of it, yeah, and then you get you get like nice, very visible. I just went to the bathroom. Pee spray all over your dark brown painted legs. You have to pee into a cup. Like these are the th- these are the moments, and I love every bit of competing. I really did. This will be a conversation I'd love to have with you at some point. But those were the moments where I'm like, literally, who am I and where am I and what am I doing? This is so beyond what is normal to what anyone. The hell am I doing what life? am I doing?
0: There's got to be some embarrassing moments to think about.
1: Yeah, come on now. You never like tripped. You never. I don't know. Like, what's something embarrassing? You never I, had like I an embarrassing I, I moment at a gym. Or
0: I think I like block them out and just all that meditation.
1: There. You managed to just yeah. meditate the embarrassing shit, right?
0: Out. Yeah, I blocked it out.
1: Damn it! I was really hoping that question would be good. All right, let's see. If I that had go- a lot
0: of stuff happen, but nothing that was particularly embarrassing. Sorry, guys. Count yourself point.
1: lucky. Well, maybe I'm you'll sure think on it. Something. You'll wake I, up in the middle I, we'll of the we'll night. I probably tonight. get
0: thirty messages from people going, "Hey, I remember you did this, dummy." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah."
1: Like, oh, that pink, the pink speedo was that was an I embarrassing did wear a pink, choice for you. I, know, I mean, you're blonde, and blue-eyed. It makes sense did, to yeah. me,
0: but okay. For sure, I show, I was I was pretty arrogant. I wore pink with sparkles. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so there's good. definitely pictures of that out there.
1: Okay, what is your Desert Island Soundtrack? Your favorite, your uh, mute album. Oh <laughs> my. Ben, no, no, no. Ben, I haven't ben. answered
0: that. I haven't answered that. Okay. So, my favorite – it's not exciting. My favorite singers are opera singers. I really like opera. Sarah Brightman. Do you know who Sarah Brightman is?
1: I do not. Sarah
0: Brightman is amazing. Andrea Bocelli is another one of my favorites. Of course. Yeah. So, I like that.
1: You would bring an opera album to your 1,000%. desert. 1,000%. Okay, this is amazing. That is the great, but that's the one to end on. Like, I did not see that coming. I thought you were yeah. going to give me a great, embarrassing story about bodybuilding. And instead, you tell me that your favorite music is opera. And so, you when I'm that- alone
0: in the car, it's usually going to be classical or opera. And I've got some other, like, weird songs that my daughter and I like to listen to, but Baby Shark? No, not <laughs> kid stuff. She likes, my daughter is, is this very unique, recently turned six year old who loves female vocals. So, we listen to like really like strong. She loves to sing. So, she listens to strong female vocals.
1: You need to get her on that old school shit and get her listening to some Alanis, some original Alanis Morissette. That is some strong female vocals. Right. Okay. I feel like we kind of have to end it there because I just love that. I love that people are going to be thinking that Ben listens to opera music. So, the next
0: podcast intro is going to be like some really That's your
1: new intro music, dude. We should change
0: it. So, I I became addicted. I'll tell you how that happened. In grade seven, seventh grade, I went to uh, Phantom of the Opera and it was Colm Wilkinson and Sarah Brightman and I I was 12 and I was like, what the hell is this? This is the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. That was the original cast and it was the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life and since then I've been addicted to Sarah Brightman and my seventh grade history teacher, Mr. Ellenberger, never forget him, played Time to Say Goodbye, which is a very famous song you've heard of. That Sarah Brightman also sang with someone else. And uh, that both happened in seventh grade. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is for the rest of my life. I'm like, I'm um, Sarah Brightman. I think she's, she has the most angelic voice I've ever heard in my life.
1: It's also a very athletic form of singing. Anyone who knows anything about opera singing. Sure. That's a very- It's all diaphragm. Yeah. It's all that's... breathing. All right. Listeners, if you think you can beat that question, if you think you can get a question that will give a more unexpected answer than that one from Ben, please send it in. Send it in on social media because, man, that one just blew my mind.
0: Yeah. And and so, by the time this podcast came out, we may actually have a plug-in on muscleintelligence.com where you guys can enter audio or typed questions for us. So go to muscleintelligence.com slash podcast, drop in your email. So you always get notifications and leave us any question. And we're going to pick the best ones and feature them on the podcast.
1: Can't wait to see what's next.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into muscle intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person, you know, make sure you're subscribed. So you never miss an episode.